The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things, what you have learned and received, and heard and seen me, seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. Peace be with you, the reader, and with your spirit. hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with all. And your spirit. The reading is from the Gospel according to St. John. Let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at table with him. Mary took a pound of costly ointment of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and as he had the money box, he used to take what was put into it. Jesus said, Let her alone. Let her keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only on account of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus also to death, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day a great crowd who had come to the feast 
heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. And as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand this at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that this had been written of him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he had called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that he had done this time. Peace be to you who reads the good tidings. Glory to Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I had forgotten that this was the epistle until just recently, and I always wanted to say that at the beginning of a sermon. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I hope today you have a sense of rejoicing. As we hear the crowd shouting to Christ, Hosanna in the highest, glory to God, who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Today has a certain special festival quality. We have come to the end of our journey together, the end of our Lenten journey, that is. And we now stand on the edge of a precipice that is Holy Week. Not just any week. Although everyone around us might think, well, it's just another week. And for us, the daily activities of our life continue on. This is Holy Week. And this week has this great potential to be a great and transforming week for your lives and for my life. Now, today in the Gospel, we hear many references to the events, not of Holy Week coming up, but of the events that were immediately preceding and in the weeks before our Lord's Passion. Yesterday, we celebrated the Saturday of Lazarus. And Father made a comment, Father Theodore made a comment, that the Saturday of Lazarus, the raising of Lazarus, was not actually the Saturday before the triumphal entry into Jerusalem that we celebrate today. And so it got me thinking that sometimes as we hear the readings on Sundays or maybe even in the daily readings, that we only see little excerpts. And sometimes perhaps it may seem a little confusing as to what is happening and when is it happening. So as we heard in the Gospel yesterday, Jesus and the disciples were someplace, and it seems from Scripture, that he was down by the Jordan River near Jericho. And he received the message that his friend Lazarus 
was sick. The Gospel yesterday tells us that he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And yet when he heard that he was sick, he decided to stay there two more days. Now the journey to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, was a good journey. It was a long uphill, and it would take a good long day of walking, or maybe longer. So when he finally tells his disciples that we're going to go wake up Lazarus. He tells them that Lazarus is dead. The disciples knew this was dangerous because everything Jesus had said in his ministry had frustrated and angered the ruling Pharisees and the leaders of the Jews, the religious leaders. And so he tells them, and Thomas says, let us go with him that we may die with him. Expecting that anything going towards Jerusalem was going to be the end. And yet he arrives in Bethany and he sees the mourners and he sees Lazarus, his friend, and his sisters who he loves. He raises from the dead and he shows to us his love and compassion for those he knows, both as God and as a man. And he shows us as God his power over life and death. This is a miracle of miracles. To bring a man back to life who's been dead four days. The news spreads. And there's many people coming out to see Jesus. And on account of this miracle and of the news of this miracle, many people are believing in Jesus. And more and more... The Judeans, the Pharisees, the leaders are becoming frustrated. And they see that this, is, this can't go on and they begin to make a plan. And they decided now that they will even put Lazarus to death because on account of him, so many were believing. Having a living dead man is kind of a strong testimony. Nevertheless, Jesus slipped away with his disciples and the scriptures say that he takes them off into, a, into the countryside near the wilderness, near the town of Ephraim. And he spends some time teaching them. And we don't know exactly how long he's there. It could be a week or several weeks. And there is many teachings that are recorded in scripture that the Lord teaches his disciples. And we don't know exactly where or when they were occurring. But today we find that six days before the Passover, so not long after, a week or weeks, Jesus decides to go up to Bethany again. He tells his disciples, Behold, and this is the gospel from last Sunday, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit upon him and scourge him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. Now his disciples already expected that he would be in danger in Jerusalem. They had already gone up to Bethany and nothing had happened. Nothing bad had happened. Only the resurrection of a man four days dead. And the fact that many people were coming to faith. And yet when Jesus tells them this time... 
Specifically, we're going up to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. Not only am I going to die, but I'm going to suffer badly and die. Strangely enough, the scriptures don't record anything that the disciples said about that. Only a little argument about who gets to sit at Christ's right hand and who's at his left hand. So six days before the Passover, he makes it back to Bethany with his disciples. And he comes to a dinner. And it seems that it could possibly be at um, Lazarus' house. Lazarus is there and Martha is serving. But the scriptures also indicate that it might be also Simon's house, who was a friend and a kinsman of Lazarus. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. And this is the famous scene where he is anointed with a costly oil, and the fragrance fills the house. And he tells everyone not to be put off by this, but because it is for my burial. His death is at hand. And yet, six days before the Passover, people are arriving in Jerusalem from all over the world, all over the the local world. And I read one thing that said that Jerusalem at the time of Passover might have had as many people as the city of Rome, the capital of the empire, perhaps the largest city in the world. And the buzz going around Jerusalem was not so much about Passover, it was about Jesus, whether he would come. Is he going to come? Where will he come from? Is he going to come to to celebrate? Because they knew that the leaders of the Jews were upset with him. And they wanted to put him to death. Now, this great crowd learned that Jesus was about to enter into Jerusalem. And in Luke's account, which we did not read today, As he rode along on the donkey, they spread their garments on the road. And as he was now drawing near at the descent of Mount Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The Pharisees say, Teacher, can you hear what they're saying? Rebuke your disciples. He answers, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones themselves would cry out. For truly, the king is approaching the city of the king, Jerusalem. Luke goes on and says, And as he drew near the city coming down from the Mount of Olives, he saw the city below, and it says... He wept over it, saying, Would that even today that you knew the things that make for peace, but now they are hid from your eyes, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And so this is what we celebrate today. This visitation, this arrival of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who would tell His disciples, Don't tell anybody about Me. The people he healed would say, don't tell anybody that I healed you. But on this day, he allows the crowd to call him King and Messiah and to sing his praises. For he knows that the work that he has done is about to be over and that he is about to enter into his passion. We are at the end of our Lenten journey, but we stand at the edge of Holy Week. Elder Sophroni taught that our main concern and this day should be to preserve the grace of Lent through this week 
that we might worthily follow the Lord to His passion. If today's Gospel reading had gone on a little bit further, we would have read something else. It says that Jesus entered into the temple, He cleanses the temple, and He withdraws. And He spends another night outside of Jerusalem. And as He goes back into Jerusalem the next day, He encounters some people who are Gentiles, who want to meet Jesus. They want to, they're starting to believe. They've heard the things. They've heard that He has the power of, over death. And when Jesus heard this, He says, The hour has now come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And then he speaks to us, I think. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am there shall my servant be also. Whoever serves me must follow me. And if we call ourselves Christians and servants of the Most High God, then we must follow Him. And after our celebration today, our recognizing that God has come to us, that the King has manifested Himself to us, not only today on the back of a donkey, but every day of our lives in the midst of our troubles, In the Eucharist that we will receive today, this is the same King who is coming to rule over our lives now and forever. But our task now is to preserve the grace that we've acquired or received in these last 40 days and worthily follow Him to His passion. And yet many of us, while we are celebrating today and with the the feast after the feast, of the Holy Eucharist, there is a festive, festive mindset. And yet we, we may look towards Holy Week and we see not excitement, but a giant hurdle, a great challenge. And we recognize that we are to unite ourselves to Christ in His sufferings. We're somehow to make His sufferings, His life and His death a part of our life. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. What keeps us really from fully entering in to the Lord's passion this week? Some of us have already looked at our schedules and our calendars, and we figured out which services that we can go to, which, which ones that we cannot go to. Some of us also looked and saw, well, how many we really need to go to? We don't want to be too religious, perhaps. Every night would seem like a lot. And yet, what mostly keeps us from entering into this joining, this uh, uniting ourselves with Christ this week, is our own cares. It's our own sufferings. Our own afflictions. Jesus told us that in this life, you will suffer. You will have troubles. And yet he tells us, take heart, I have overcome the world. He's about to show us how exactly he overcame the world. But we, in our own sufferings, 
And all of us, we may not call them sufferings, we just might call them worries, but some of us, perhaps all of us, in some way, are suffering. We're holding on to things. And while we may not call them sufferings, we may just call them worries or concerns, or we may just call it, well, that's, that's just our life. We just got to get on with it. We got to take care of business. And we think somehow that our sufferings in this life are somehow distinct from Christ's sufferings. But it is Christ who asks us on this eve of Holy Week to take all of our cares, all of our hurts, all of our sufferings, and to not see them as distinct and separate from Christ, but to unite all of our worries, all of our fears, and all these things that burden us, that are going to keep us from pressing in to the life of Christ through His death. It is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions. And the reason why we so need the Lord's comforting, and if we bring our sufferings and unite our lives and our sufferings with His, then we will receive comfort from Him, not just for ourselves, but for those around us, that we might also comfort them. So today, as the epistle says, we rejoice. It says, whatever is honorable, whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. My brothers and sisters in Christ, there is nothing more praiseworthy, nothing more excellent, nothing more worthy than carving a space out this week than to participate in the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let us with the disciples go up to Jerusalem that we may in truth take up His cross and die with Him. For as the Apostle Paul told us, for if we have been united with Him in a death like His as we all have in our baptism, then certainly we will be united with Him in a resurrection like His. And we truly can take heart because He has overcome the world, and all of our sufferings. Amen.